0: As they're singing that song, I went back to Genesis. As long as I have breath, do you understand that the very breath that you have was given you by God? It said, in the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed, not man breathed, God breathed. Breathed into his, yours. My God. Oh, shut up. Breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. But now I can't stop there because there's more to that verse. you understand without the breath of God in you you are not even alive how do I know because Genesis 2 and 7 says that until God breathed his breath of life into man he was not a living soul and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul my God, you need to understand this morning that if you, if you are breathing something other than what God has placed into you, you might as well call it in. You are not even a living soul. He put that breath in you not so you could walk around and do everything of this world, but He put the breath of life in you so that you can come into the church house on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night and prayer meeting on Tuesday and walk with your friends on Monday and go out to a ball game on Friday night and proclaim the goodness of God all the days of your life. It is His breath that He put into you and He expects you to use it for His glory. God wants to do something in this house this morning. I believe that with everything in me. I have felt it since I walked into the doors this morning. I was sitting up in my office praying before we ever had prayer this morning. I was sitting in my office praying and I believe that God wants to move. Furthermore, as I was praying at home this morning, something very clear come to me that there are no pre-qualifications. There are no pre-qualifications to the blessings of God. All it is is you follow Him. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. Tell you what, while you're standing, let's pray and I'll, I'll we'll do it a little different this morning. If everybody would stand, let's just pray. I've got some Scripture to go through. I'll explain to you here in a minute. Heavenly Father, I thank You this morning God, not just that we have guests this morning, not just that we are seeing more members. God, not even that I'm here. But God, I thank You this morning for the presence and power of the Holy Spirit in this house. God, I thank You. Lord, that You still call out to Your people. Lord, that Your Spirit is still striving with man to come unto You but God I also thank you that through your word you have promised us blessings God I pray this morning simply that your spirit would continue to abide in this place God that your spirit would continue to abide Lord my words will fail but your words will stand forever Lord my wants and desires will lead us astray But God, if we are walking in the presence of the Holy Ghost, we cannot go wrong. Lord, just simply abide with us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. God is so very good. So very good. He pours out His blessings over and over again. I'm still going to talk about expectations this morning, but just to recap and just to tell you how very good God is. At the end of days, if we are following Jesus Christ, we can expect heaven. We have a reasonable expectation that at the end of days we will be able to spend an eternity bowing down at the throne of the very one who sent his only begotten son, that whosoever, whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That he didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So if we are saved, if we have submitted our life to Christ, if we are walking and following after what God has for us, We have a reasonable expectation that at the end of our days, we shall be able to walk through a gate of pearl. And when we walk through that gate, we will be able to walk upon streets of gold. We will be able to go before the throne of God Himself, and He will wipe away our tears. We have great hope and expectations of what we can expect at the end of our days. In the meantime, until we get there, I I told you we should expect, I don't know that all of us does, but we should expect to be filled with the Holy Ghost. God has set it uh, in motion from the very beginning of time, really, and I believe my next series might take a good long while preaching simply and purely on the Holy Ghost and start over in the Old Testament and go straight on through until we get it all figured out because we, I don't even know and I told you this last Sunday night I guess it was, I don't even know that we really should call ourselves Pentecostal because the majority of people even in Pentecostal denominations nowadays do not have the baptism of the Holy Ghost yet as I read the Bible and as I read through Acts what I understand is one that it is a gift of God, that it is a gift that he has promised his followers. And if we are rejecting the gifts of God, I look at it almost as if we are rejecting God himself. We don't want what he has to offer us. So we should have an expectation every day when we get up to be filled with the spirit, not 50 years ago, not 40 years ago, not just once when you come to the altar seeking, but every day we should seek for the fullness and the goodness of God within our Life That should be an expectation. But now this morning, I believe there are some other things that we should be able to expect within our lives. I believe we should be able to expect the blessings of God to be poured out upon us. No prerequisites, like I say, if you're following Christ, there are no prerequisites other than that. I can't tell you that you can do this or that to get God's blessings other than I believe when you get up in the morning, you should expect the blessings of God to be poured upon your life. You should ask Him for it, you should look for it, and you should expect it every day when you get up and you go about your day. Every night when you lay down and you go through your prayers, you need to thank God for blessing you that day, and you need to ask Him and tell Him you expect His blessings the next day. Why? Because God wants to. It is not just the gift of His Son for the reconciliation of us unto Him. In other words, the blood of Jesus Christ. It is not just that that He wants and expects us to take. It is not just the gift of the Comforter, the Holy Ghost, that He expects us to take. He also expects us to be blessed. He expects to be able to bless us. There are scripture and I'll be honest I kind of struggled with that um, I'm going to read you out of Isaiah 55 and if you want to turn in your Bibles this morning I'm generally going to be right around Isaiah 55 and then I may also go back to 1st Kings chapter 17 a little bit but i really this very first verse I may not get past right here Have you ever been to a place in your life where you feel so dry? So dry that you don't know how to move because you're afraid if you move that you will crack and break. Dead silence. When you get a tree and there is no life in it and it hasn't been watered for so long, It dies and it becomes brittle. And it can stand in the woods without being moved because of things standing around it and protecting it. But as soon as something is cut away from it and all of a sudden a good wind comes through and catches something that has not been watered and something that is dry and brittle, it will break and fall apart. We are the same way as Christians sometimes. I notice I said, I didn't say the believers or the non-believers out in the world, as believers, as Christians, we get that way sometimes. We feel like we are that tree that things have been cut away from, and we are so brittle and dry, standing out in the middle of nowhere, that we're afraid the very first storm that comes, the very first adversary that comes along, the first adversity that comes along, that we are going to crack and break. We get fearful that we're not going to be able to make it. But I love what Isaiah proclaims here, and even more where he proclaims it at. Because he is just done talking about the restoration of Jerusalem and and the servant of the Lord coming. We all know Isaiah 53. Then we go talking about the blessing of this servant that has come along. And then we move to Isaiah 55 and all of a sudden the message that the prophet is giving is hope. In other words, listen to me this morning. Don't piddle, don't think that something else is going on more important. There is nothing more important than the power and the blessings of God. And Isaiah wants to make sure he has the attention of those around him. I want to make sure that everybody's attention this morning understands what I'm saying. Ho! Listen! Everyone that thirsteth. I don't care if you're eight. I don't care if you're 80. I don't care if you feel like you're just a little bit thirsty. Or if you're scared to death that you're going to break and crumble apart. You need to come ye to the waters. Isaiah provided that call. Not just to Israel. Not just to Jerusalem. But it was an open invitation. To everybody on the face of the earth, if you thirsteth, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. Why? Because you don't have to be a tree standing out in the middle of the woods, afraid, scared that you're going to crumble and fall apart. You don't have to sit in the middle of church without telling anybody that you are dry. God has given you the invitation to come ye to the waters. And the reason I might not get past here, because when I read that very first section of that verse, I started thinking about the importance of water in the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? Genesis 1 and 1. But if you go over to Genesis 1 and 2, you will see that the very first place that the Spirit of God rested was on the water. The Spirit of God hovered over the face of the water. Do you understand that it was water that protected Moses? You see, all of the little Hebrew babies were supposed to be killed in Egypt, but his mama was determined that he wasn't going to die, and she put him in a basket, and it was the water that carried him to safety. Some 80 years later, he comes back and he goes to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. Their time of bondage and slavery is over. So what saves them? It's the water. They get to the water and they think there's no way, but once they pass through the water, all of a sudden it collapses on the Egyptians chasing after them and Israel is saved by the water, by one who was born out of the water. That's what Moses means, one who was drawn out of the water. But you read throughout the Old Testament and you see time and again those that are unclean, it is the water that plays a critical step in them being clean. They are to go, they are to bathe and wash, and at the end of the day, they will move from being unclean to clean. If you look in the, Old, in the New Testament, what you come to understand is that water is vital in your public proclamation that you have decided to move from unclean to To clean. What do I mean by that? Exactly this. That when you get baptized in water, it is a baptism unto repentance. It is John's baptism. What it is, is a proclamation that you have decided to follow Jesus Christ. In other words, you have decided to leave your sinful ways in the past, and you have decided to walk in that which is clean. You have put aside the dirty, filthy rags, and you have decided to walk in righteousness. Water is exactly that important. But it's even more important because Jesus Christ Himself told us that He is the living water. You see, He was going through Samaria. And there was this well that He went to and He decided to stop at it while His disciples went into town. And there was this little Samaritan woman that needed to come to the well. And when she came to the well, He asked her for a drink. She argued with him a little bit and finally he looked at her and he said if you knew who was talking to you you would have asked me for a drink because that which is coming out of that well you will thirst again that which is coming out of the well will eventually leave you dried and parched and ready to crumble. That which you draw up out of that bucket will help you for today, but it will not help you for eternity. But if you will turn to me, if you will look to Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of your faith, if you will ask He that is living water for a drink of His water, you will never go dry, you will never get thirsty, you will never have to worry about stumbling and falling as long as you stay in Him. John 4 and 10 is where he says, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou would have asked him, and he would have given thee living water. But see, it's not just there. There's also some obscure passages. Particularly in Zechariah. Zechariah 9 and 11 actually tells us As for thee also by the blood of the covenant, I have sent forth thy prisoners out of the pit wherein there is no water. When you're living a sinful life, you're in the pit. You're parched, you're dry. You don't have the blessings of God poured upon you. What you have is more and more misery heaped upon you. But by the blood of the covenant, Jesus Christ came so that prisoners can be set loose out of prison. So that they can get from a place where there is no water to a place where there is living water. And not just that. If you go on over into Zechariah 14 and 8, it says, And it shall be in that day that living waters... Not just water from a well, not just somewhere where you'll be a little bit better, but over in Zechariah 14 and 8, he says it shall be in that day that living water shall go out of Jerusalem. Half of them toward the sea and half of them toward the hinder sea. But the last part of that verse is so amazing to me. You see, we have been told for so long that we go through seasons and I know that in Ecclesiastes it tells us that there is a time to die, time to live and a time to die, time to mourn, time to laugh all of these things are seasons but what I understand the Bible to tell me as a whole is that God said he would never leave us nor forsake us, that Jesus Christ said the only reason he went away was so that the power of the Holy Ghost could come and dwell with us, that we don't have to go through seasons where we are dry and parched we do have to go through seasons of life where things are happening. Life is life. Thank Adam and Eve for that, for taking a bite because it's their fault that they introduced sin into the world. But we do not have to go through seasons in life without Jesus Christ by our side. We have the blessings of God available to us at all times. Yes, life may get tough at some points, but he said he would be right there with you. When mommy or daddy dies, he said he would walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death. When things don't seem like they're going all that well he said he would pick your feet up out of the miry clay and put them up on a rock we don't have to worry about Jesus leaving us or forsaking us he said in Zechariah fourteen eight, in summer and in winter shall it be there's not a season that goes by that Jesus Christ isn't lifting us up that he isn't holding us up that his hand isn't over us that we are not protected in summer and winter spring and fall it don't matter what time of the year it is it don't matter what season of life you're in Jesus Christ is holding you you see it's that water that keeps us and it isn't just for eternal life if it was just for eternal life I believe Jesus would have told the woman at the well I can give you something that will help you in 20 years from now If it was just for here and now, I don't think Isaiah would have given the great invitation everyone that thirsts, come and drink. It's for here and now also. I like what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15 and 19. He said, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Now Paul could have changed that. He could have have omitted one word and it would have totally changed the complexion of the entirety of the Bible. You don't believe me? If in this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. That changes the entirety of the Bible, don't it? But that's not what Paul said. That's not what the Holy Spirit laid upon him. He said, if in this life only. Yes, we've got the hope of eternity. If you've got the blood of Jesus Christ covering your life, you're submitted to Him, you you have faith with works because faith without works is dead. You've got the expectation of heaven. You've got hope in the hereafter. But Paul said it's not only for now it is for the hereafter it's not only for the hereafter it's also for now because if in this life only in other words paul said i know that you've got the hope of heaven but i'm telling you that you've also got hope for now you may think that you only have hope for now but you also have hope for heaven because jesus is not constrained by time he is not constrained by limits but he said he would be with you always even unto the end of the world god the father said he would never leave you nor forsake you that doesn't It doesn't just mean when you die, when your family's laid over your casket mourning because you're no longer here. It means for the 20, 30, 40, 60, 80 years until you hit that casket, He has also promised to be with you. He has also promised to hold you up. My goodness. It don't always happen as we seem. I've got to cover a little bit of this over in Kings. I was trying to think of a good place in the Bible I could go to kind of illustrate the blessings of God. Even when we don't expect it, even when it's not as we expect. The one place I come to was about Elijah. You know, in Judah they had this run of kings, some good and some not, and in the 30... In the eighth year of Asa, king of Judah, began Ahab, the son of Omri, to reign over Israel. And Ahab, the son of Omri, reigned over Israel in Samaria twenty and two years. And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. While you can continue to read, you can see he's the one that married Jezebel, a Sadianite. That he's the one that introduced the worship of Baal into Israel. That's 1 Kings 16, 29-34. But then as you turn into 17, it says, And Elijah the Tishbite, who is of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. See Ahab come, He essentially tried to destroy Israel by introducing false prophets, false worship, all of these things. There was a man of God that stood up and spoke against the evil. Now, since we're in expectations, one would reasonably expect, particularly in those times, that if someone stood up and spoke against the king, that they would lose their life. But he didn't. God protected him. Matter of fact, God told him to get away and hide yourself. Hide thyself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. Most of y'all know you live in the mountains. That you get up by some of these brooks up in the hills, some of these little creeks. They might run with water half the time. They might run with water, never. Good rain season comes and it'll run for three or four weeks and then all of a sudden, it not rained for a while and it'll be dry as a bone. I also know that if you're out there long enough without provision, without water, you get to the point in your life to where you know you're going to die so you'll take a chance on any little drop of thing that comes along. That water might not be clean, but I'm going to die if I don't drink it. You know, spiritually, we'll get the same way. We don't try to walk in the spirit. We don't try to walk in the water that is pouring out for us. We get into places that is barren and dry. And we'll look around. And we don't care what kind of water it is. We don't care if it's stagnant stump water or living water. We just want to drink. That's where God sent Elijah. Somewhere where he didn't know if that brook was going to run for three weeks, three months, or not at all. God just told him to go. But he did make him a promise. He said, and it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook and. So he's telling Elijah, it's okay, I've got you covered. I'm going to make sure water is here, and you are to drink it. This is the water that you need to sustain you. That is God's provision. That is God's blessing. But now here, I I fear, is where most of us would kind of, uh, how did they put it in in the New Testament in King James? When he was talking about Paul, he said, why do you kick against the pricks? Why are you kicking against things you don't need to kick against? He told Elijah, I have commanded the... Not the eagle. Not a chicken that's a clean bird that you can eat by reading scriptures. He didn't send something that was clean. He sent the unclean. A scavenger bird to bring him food. And not just food. You can read on down through that first part of 1 Kings 17. Do you understand what a raven is going to bring you? He, a raven ain't going out and catching a fresh squirrel for you to make some squirrel and gravy with. A raven is going and picking a dead squirrel off the road that's been there for three weeks and is half rotten. You ever seen a raven eating a live squirrel? No, but you'll see a squirrel dead on the road for two or three weeks and that's exactly where it's at. But at any rate, he went and did according to the word of the Lord. And you know what? Every morning, that thing which we would have kicked against, that we would have said, no, I don't need that to help me out, it brung Elijah food and meat every day, morning and night. He had water flowing beside of him. You see, we don't always know where and how the blessings of God are going to come into our life. What I do know is that if we don't follow the direction of the Lord, that if we don't listen to Him, that we were liable to get beheaded by that which is evil around us. It will put us into an early demise. But if we will speak for God, if we will listen to God, if we will tune our ears to the voice of the Holy Spirit, He will direct us where we need to go. And He will put us in a place where we don't have to become dry and parched. He will put us in a place where we don't have to feel like we're starving to death. He will pick us up and put us exactly where we need to be. And then when he's done with that, he will send you somewhere else to be a blessing to others. You may not believe it. You may not think that where you're going is supposed to be a blessing. But I promise you it is. Look what happened to Elijah. There was a widow in Zarephath. Right after Elijah got done being fed by the ravens and having to drink out of an old mountain creek, God spoke to him and he said, you go down here and I've already spoke To a widow and she's going to help you out. Elijah gets up. He goes down and he finds this widow of Zarephath. And he looks at her and he says, God told me. God told me. You're going to fix me something to eat and give me something to drink. I'm tired of rotten squirrel meat. I'm tired of drinking out of an old mountain creek. And she looks at him. He says, Sonny boy, I'm sorry. I ain't got nothing. I've got a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. And what I'm fixing to do here, Elijah, is I'm going in the house and I'm making one last meal and me and my son are going to lay down and die. We have no means for nothing else. Now you think Elijah might have been rethinking his statement, God told me. You know that story, I would hope. She decided to be obedient to God. And all of a sudden, the blessings of God were poured out, not just upon her life, but also upon Elijah's life. You see, when she was obedient to the word of the Lord, and she did what the prophet of God said... She did not have to lay down and die with her son. I believe that every morning when she got up, she didn't go back out to a barrel full of meal. She went back out and she had enough to do that day. I believe that with everything in me. That when she got... Out out What meal, what flour she needed She went over to get her cruise of oil And it wasn't running over every morning What it was was every morning She had what she needed for that particular day For her, for her son And also for Elijah Every morning they were blessed by God Elijah was blessed not just with some decent food Not just with good clean water But he was also blessed For the first time in quite some time With companionship With someone being around him was someone to worship with that didn't want to kill him. You see, those are the, the real blessings of God. We like to think that, oh, God's going to bless me with a million-dollar bank account. No, he might not. He might. He might not. What he might do is every time you go to pay your light bill that's $100 a month, that somehow there's $100 in there. Every time you go to pay your house payment that's six, seven, eight hundred dollars whatever it might be, that there's exactly that amount in your bank account. Every time you need gas in your car, you've got exactly enough in your bank account to stop by the Exxon or Sheets or wherever you're going and fill up your... Your tank. Every time that you look in your cupboards and you decide that you're tired of eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, that you would like to have something a little bit better, a little steak today, you look and all of a sudden you've got enough money to go pick out a couple of ribeyes over at town and country. He will bless you consistently day to day. He will be with you every step of the way that you take. When you think that you have reached a point where you just can't stand anymore and things are too brittle and dry, he will pour his water upon you and he will put people around you to protect you until you gain your strength back how do I know I got to go back over and read a little bit in Isaiah how do I know this because God said so after he told after he gave this great invitation to everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters he that hath no money come Come ye, buy and eat. Come. Don't just have water anymore. Water's great. You have to have it. There's not a thing on earth that can live without water. I don't care if it's a tree, a bug, a person, a plant. It don't matter. It needs water. But sometimes if you drink water all the time, it gets tiring and you want something with a little bit of flavor. He says, come and buy wine and milk without money and without price. In other words, it's free. It's the gift of God. I think of uh, Simon the sorcerer in Acts chapter 8. He looked at the apostles and he said, Look, I want to buy what it is that you have so I can be a blessing to others like you are. And they looked at him and he said, you've got to repent. You don't buy the blessings and the power of God. I'm here to tell you this morning that it doesn't matter if you put in a dollar or $50. $50. It doesn't matter if your tithes for the month are $1 on 10 or if it's $1,000 on $10,000. You have no more access to the blessings and power of God one over the other. They are free. They are the free gifts of God for your benefit. Without money, without price. But what we do is, verse 2, we spend money. On things that are no good for us. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread? We waste our time on things which are not going to fill us. You see, there's uh, I'm a firm believer that the breath of God is what breathed life into us because of Genesis 1 and 2. And that if you spend your time and your life chasing after anything else, you will not be satisfied. In other words, if you're walking in nasty, stagnant stump water, you ain't going to be happy. You need to be in the living water of Jesus Christ. If you're using your breath for things other than praising God, you're not going to be satisfied. You're not going to be filled. There's going to be an emptiness in you which leaves you not satisfied. Hearken diligently unto me and eat ye that which is good. Why? Why do you need to eat what is good? Because your soul will delight itself in fatness. To him that can do exceeding abundantly more than anyone can think or ask according to the power which works in you. Incline your ear coming to me here and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you even the sure mercies of David. If you want to read more about that, I don't have time to get into that. I've got to get get wrapped up. Go to 2 Samuel chapter 7. That is the covenant that he made with David. That he promised him that even though all that David had done, all that David had messed up, that God promised him that his seed would live. It was through that line that Jesus Christ ultimately came onto the earth as far as the earthly lineage goes. It didn't matter what his past was. God promised him and it came to pass. That same covenant, he has made with you. behold I have given him a witness to the people a leader and commander to the people behold thou shalt call a nation that thou knowest not and nations that knew not thee shall run unto thee because of the Lord thy God for the Holy One of Israel he hath glorified thee not him not me not someone else you you now you want the real blessings of God You can expect it. You follow whatever I've said. The last Sunday, what I've told you this morning, God will bless you. It may not be exactly what you think, exactly where you want it to be, but I guarantee you that the Word of God cannot fail. He has said if you follow Him, and I know it's for all people too, because if you keep reading on over into fifty six. Uh, particularly down at verse 6 and 7, it says also the sons of strangers that join themselves to the Lord to serve Him, to love the name of the Lord, to be His servants, everyone that keepeth the Sabbath from polluting it taketh hold of my covenant. It is for everyone. But here's the blessings of God. Verse 10 and chapter 55 of Isaiah. For as the rain cometh down, And the snow from heaven and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, making it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void. In other words, every word of God that he has spoken will work its intended purpose in your life and he will see it come to pass. It will not return to Him void, but it shall accomplish that which He pleases. What He pleases is that it waters you, that it helps you to grow, that it lifts you up, that it puts you in places where you need to be, that it gets you out of the miry clay, that it keeps you from being brittle and dry and feeling like you're getting ready to die and break apart every time you move. That's what word He's talking about. His word goes out of His mouth and it shall not return void, but it will accomplish that which he pleases, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I send it. But he doesn't stop there. He said, for ye shall. Here's the blessings of God. Here's what you need to expect this morning, and this is where we're going. Ye shall go out with joy, and ye shall be led forth with peace. You've got mountains before you. I just preached about that. You've got hills that you think you can't climb. But the Word of God tells me that they shall break forth before you into singing. In other words, everything that's been in front of you that you feel like has held you down and held you back will start praising God with you. They don't have a choice. The devil ain't in control. God's still on the throne. Jesus Christ is still seated at His right hand. The Holy Ghost is still in control. They shall break forth. Forth before you into singing And all of the trees of the field Shall clap their hands That's the blessings of God You can go out of here this morning in joy You can go out of here this morning in peace Furthermore, not can you Every one of you in here this morning You should expect to walk out of those doors In joy You should expect to get up And walk out happy and singing You should expect to get up And walk out of here And have a peace down in your soul That the world can't give And the world can can't take away, but only Jesus Christ can put it into you. Only Jesus can lift you up. Only Jesus has made a promise and can hold to it that for an everlasting sign it shall not be cut off. Yeah. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Simple altar call this morning. Isaiah fifty five, six and seven. I don't know your heart. I don't know what you need. You might be saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost and on your way to heaven. You might not be. You might be saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost and on your way to heaven and feel dry as a bone. You might be struggling with things. I don't know. But the same word applies to everyone in here this morning. Seek. Ye the Lord while he may be found. Listen to me this morning. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. He has been near since I walked in that front door this morning before church ever started. I felt that as soon as I walked in the house this morning. Let the wicked forsake his way. And the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord. I'm going to read this in the Steve Webb version. I'm going to look at every one of you and say it. God will have mercy upon you. God will abundantly pardon you. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found.